So hello everybody and welcome to another episode and live streamed version of the MotoGP podcast Last on the Breaks. I'm Fran Wilde and joining me as ever, I think I've taken the Matt Dunn script for those of you who've uh, joined us before. <laughs> <laughs> joining us as ever is Elliot York. So good morning Elliot you and who have we got on the show today? Yeah, good morning Fran. Excited for this one as always. Yeah, we've got Francesco Guidotti, obviously Red Bull KTM tech factory racing team manager so we'll get him on straight away we've had him waiting for on his way to the airport currently ready for the Dutch GP <laughs> so we won't keep him for long hi Francesco how are you good morning um, I'm okay I'm uh, just driving to to the airport for <laughs> for the for the flight to Aston so yeah everything okay under control so far <laughs> well, thank you for stopping to talk to us. Um, so, like we said just briefly before we came live, we were going to talk to you about a few easy questions first. The first one is, obviously, this season, a new challenge for you with Red Bull KTM moving over from Pramac. How is the role? Now we're a, more than halfway through the season. Aston is the 11th race. How, how do you feel it's going so far? Are you enjoying it? And what's the experience like? Uh, yes, for sure. It's a, it's a new challenge for me after ten years in the same in the same team. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I felt immediately like uh, like at home because uh, because I was in KTM uh, years ago, and uh, most of the people uh, still still there. So I've met again a lot of uh, a lot of people that I worked with uh, in the in the in the in the previous experience in in, uh, in KTM. So. Uh, yeah, it was a mix of uh, feeling. I mean, uh, something very, very new, but at the same time with a lot of people that I already met and worked with in the past. Uh, with the team, I had immediately a good feeling. Uh, was uh, we, we we just met uh, we just met during the, the building up of the bike, and then immediately after uh, on the on the winter test. And uh, once you you step in the in the track, then everything is uh, is. Uh, let's say, easier. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, living the present and uh, looking at the future uh, because, you know, our our world runs uh, very, very quickly. So you cannot say too much uh, looking in the back. <laughs> Francesco, how many differences are there working or leading a factory team compared to an independent team? I know Pramac, it's pretty much a factory team that's not a factory bikes in the garage but what are the main differences now the actual full factory setup if any difference but, at all yeah no, no there's a lot of differences especially on the technical side i mean uh, of course my role in an uh, in, uh, independent team is uh it's uh, uh talking to 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 the manufacturer trying to to get the best package as possible uh, negotiate uh, the, the the price and uh, the leasing uh, the leasing costs and try to get the, the maximum out of uh, what is available uh, from the technical. What is available means also what the manufacturer put available. Uh, in this case, in the factory team, uh, you have to, to, to push, to, to, to motivate, let's say, the, the technician to, to get the best out, but the best out that is still doesn't exist. So it's uh, the difference is uh, is huge. I mean, uh, 
uh, in the independent team, you, you, you push to, to, to have something available and existing. In the factory team, you have to push to get something that still doesn't exist. You know, you have to push the technician to, to, to invent and to, to get new ideas and to, to make it work. So from the technical aspect, it's uh, completely different. And from the managing, uh, it's, uh, you know, independent team has a bit uh, wider range of, uh, of, uh, of uh, good results. In the factory team, uh, good results means uh, at least the podium or the top five. But yeah, the, the main target is, uh, is the championship. So also from there, there's a lot of more pressure and uh, to, to, to manage. But yeah, it's, um, it's different. But I, I get a new challenge uh, knowing uh, these uh, this, uh, kind of, uh, of uh, differences. So I, let's say, enjoying, enjoying the moment. Okay, well, it, it certainly seems to have started off very well this season. After a more difficult pre-season test, it looked like. Um, but you seemed very calm from the first few interviews we saw from you. It seemed like KTM's focus at the start of the year was go back to testing everything you have, finding that direction, and then working down that path. And certainly with that podium in Qatar for Brad and then Miguel's incredible win in Indonesia, you've got a couple of big results already this year. And then Brad at the moment is doing an incredible job on Sunday. It seems one lap pace is a bit of a challenge still, but Brad just takes off from wherever he is and basically is guaranteed almost to finish between fifth and tenth. <laughs> it's it's incredible to watch. What is what's the secret that you can see within the team to Brad's incredible ability to do that? <laughs> Unfortunately, there, there's no secret. There's uh, only uh, a huge effort of uh, of Brad. That is an incredible uh, fighter. Uh, during the race, uh, he he's able to 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 push up. Uh, 110 percent of uh, his uh, his potential and get out from the bike the, the, the maximum uh, we have to give him and, uh, and Miguel uh, the, the chance to, to to have a better qualifying lap to to reach a better uh, grid position and uh, then uh, there will be there will be um, uh, in the condition to, to fight for for better for better position in the race I mean uh, uh, in the first three three races, uh, uh, they were able to, to get a Q2, and uh, the result uh, was uh, incredibly better. In uh, Portimao, also we we went to, through the, the Q2, and, uh, and Miguel could uh, could achieve a good result. So means that the pace for for the race is there. The the bike is uh, let's say improvable, but but it's already a good base. Uh, we miss uh, we miss the the qualifying and uh, it make everything more difficult for for the race. Uh, Brada is a very uh, uh, an incredible fighter and uh, he can uh, reach uh, 10, 8, 10, 7 position uh, during the race. But you know it's uh, more risky. It's uh, more tire wear. It's more everything. It's uh, it's I mean useless once you can you can do you can do it easier. Uh, starting from a better grip position, so we are focusing on uh, on this uh, on this issue, and uh, maybe in in Assen we we could see something something better in case of um, uh, constant uh, let's say weather condition. It will be difficult in Assen, but otherwise we we have to 
to test our new idea in uh, Silverstone or, or the next races. Okay. Just well, just Elliot, how... sorry. Oh, okay, I was going to say, sorry, can I add a follow-up question there? Because in, in pre-season tests, especially Simon Crafer seemed to think that one of, for example, Yamaha's issues with making progress now is that they've almost made the version of the bike they have perfect in every way. And now they're struggling to find where they can further improve down the same line. It seems like you think KTM still has a good margin with the bike that you have to find those improvements and bring it all together a little bit more to make progress. Do you think there's still a good chunk of time to find if you get everything sort of working together? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have uh, plenty of uh, areas where we can improve, uh, even because uh, we haven't to forget that uh, this project is uh, pretty young. And, uh, and um, also, once uh, KTM moved from the concession to no concession uh, status, uh, it's also changed a lot. So we are, let's say, paying uh, now some uh, um, lack of experience of, the, of last year and two years ago. So we have to recover a bit of time. Uh, we have uh, many ideas. Uh, we need a little bit more time to, to put everything together. But yeah, we know where to to go, and uh, we know more or less uh, how. <laughs> and, uh, but of course, we we need a little bit of uh, of time. It's a six years old uh, um, project, and uh, it's uh, it's nothing compared to to our competitors at the moment. So let's say we we are doing a, a good job, and we haven't to to forget our our target. Uh, but we haven't to, to forget uh, the, the level of the competitors and we haven't to forget that it's uh, still a, a very young project. You mentioned competitors, Francesco. We've had a question in the chat um, about what riders, maybe teams as well, have surprised you the most this year, apart from obviously the KTM riders, because we've seen the likes of Alessia Spargo and A. Bastanini really up their game, especially Alessia this year. What's what surprised you the most this year and how difficult is it to compete at the highest level when the competition is so high? You know, at the moment, uh, at the moment we, we really suffer the, the grip position. So starting from the back, it's always difficult to, 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 to recover enough time to, to fight then for, for the podium or, or for the uh, top, top five. Uh, I mean, once you start from the first, the fifth row, then uh, at the first lap, you have uh, at least one second, one second uh, gap from uh, from the leader, and we know that uh, how how close is uh, is uh, is uh, the fight and is uh, the gap between uh, between riders. So this is at the mem at the moment uh, the, the the first uh, the first thing we have to we have to face and we have to solve. Uh, once we can start with the others and uh, and fight since the very first lap with uh, with the top uh, with the with the leading uh, with the leading group then we can really realize the deeply what we miss or where we are or where we are so yeah now the first the, the next step will be start uh, starting the starting point much uh, uh, much higher let's say yeah it certainly seems also at uh, some races it seemed like if you gave brad especially 
three or four more laps, he could make even more progress. But um, mm-hmm. it's certainly been an interesting one to watch so far this year, just that kind of one-man show at times. And Miguel also had his own one-man show in, in, in Indonesia. That was a really spectacular race. But um, yeah, you, like you said, the level of competition is so high. I think in Assen four years ago, the race was like the closest of all time across the top 15. Now that's only fourth. And the time has been almost halved, which is pretty crazy. But you must also be proud to be part of this team that's come in and has already taken those wins and those podiums. In such a competitive era, it seems like it's almost an impossible task from the outside to really be able to compete. So losing one second, qualifying 15th is still some of the fastest laps we've ever seen of these Mm -hmm. tracks. Yeah, I mean, uh, you said everything. Uh, the level of competition <laughs> is, uh, is, so, is so high, and uh, I can also I can only confirm. I mean, uh, uh, I remember very well the the the, the GP in Assen where that you mentioned. Uh, it was really it was really something something crazy, and I can't believe that it can happen again in uh, in uh, in the next weekend. Uh, even because uh, the, in, in the meanwhile uh, the, the, the level of competition in general is uh, even higher, and so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it happened again. I mean, uh, we were we were sixth in Mugello for second uh, for second gap uh, from the leader, so from the winner. So yeah, it's uh, something crazy. I mean. It's a motivation. It's a it, there's a behind it a, a huge motivation to to do to do better, but at the same time it's uh, yeah it's crazy on uh, on this at this level. What's also been crazy is the current silly season we're in. We call it the silly season, like the the transfer market. Let's say, obviously, you guys have announced that you've signed Jack Miller. You've worked with him at Pramac for I think three years. Was it? So how excited are you to bring? Jack into the KTM fold and of course on the other side of the coin it means obviously it's a sad time with Miguel leaving KTM as well so we'll touch on Jack first how exciting is it to get Jack involved in 2023 and 2024? Yeah it's uh, it's interesting I mean uh, his personality is very strong and uh, we I know him I work with uh, him for uh, three years KTM knows uh, him uh, since uh, the Moto3 period and uh, yeah, it will be it will be exciting. I mean, uh, uh, the choice uh, was uh, more for the for the experience he can bring, and um, then uh, the, the personality. But yeah, both mm-hmm. of uh, both of them will be will be will be very welcome. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, during this period of the of the year when uh, there's uh, to talk to the the future, it's always a li- it's always a little bit. Uh, sketchy you know because uh you cannot be too much focus on uh, on uh the, the 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 next year you have to leave the present and uh we have to to full focus on uh on the on the on these races on the 2022 races of course how uh, everybody has to to look uh, ahead to look to the future but um, yeah jack will be will be very very welcome uh but now we close the the parenthesis of uh, of the planning the the future. We we really focus on uh, give uh, our riders, current riders, the, the best uh, 
the best possible to to perform and to achieve the the target we we fixed uh, before the, the beginning of the season yeah like you said like closing the parenthesis that's like a good phrase i think because obviously jack still got to do the rest of the season with his mentality on every single race weekend you've got to use every single race weekend with brad and miguel to focus on your goals for this season and for next but it does feel like jack was the kind of future ktm rider who got away in some ways obviously he was with aki in moto three fought for the championship there and then with his crazy route to where he is now with the leap straight to moto gp and with honda and then ducati so i think everyone certainly as fans is very excited to see jack at ktm and uh, another fresh challenge for him but you're gonna have to do so much barbecuing now with the south african <laughs> and australian as the as the rider lineup <laughs> it's gonna be quite a culture shift isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it will be will be funny i mean from uh, the barbecue point of view will be will be a challenge we could be we could be <laughs> world champion there <laughs> for sure right well francesco we will let you go now onto the airport to join us here in the netherlands thank you so much for your time it's been a great little chat and uh yeah best of luck this weekend and obviously for the rest of the season as well with brad and miguel we hope you can get a few more podiums and uh, and get that margin smaller and smaller as we've seen ktm do already so thank you very much and uh safe travels thank you thank you, thank you francesco yeah. <laughs> well there we go then i uh you've got to mention the barbecue haven't you really when you're gonna have Absolutely, those two guys yeah. lining up at ktm but uh yeah it is i don't know it's an interesting thing isn't it everyone keeps going on about the level of com competition in motor gp purely because it is incredibly true uh there's a few little things where oh it's harder to overtake now Alicia Spargaro's answer for that was also that, yes, because the level of competition is so high that if you're basically achieving 99% perfection in most of the laps that you're doing, where is someone going to find an open door? <laughs> so as ever, an interesting debate. But uh, yeah, how, how are you feeling about the uh, South Africa-Australia lineup next year? It's pretty exciting for KTM, isn't it? And it's also exciting, of course, to see what does happen with Miguel, who is a multiple Premier Class winner and a really incredible rider as well. I'm really excited about two of the, the best characters on the grid, aren't they, personality-wise? I can seriously fast on track as well. I think um, we've had a pole impressive unsung hero and Brad Binder's certainly been one of those this year. Um, like Francesco said, qualifying has been a real sticking point for KCM this year, but Brad's consistently grinding out results, improving in the race from qualifying a handful of sort of gaining positions. I think it was a tweet from Matt Oxley. He said in the last five grid race results, Brad's gone from 15th to 10th, 18th to 8th, 16th to 7th, 15th to 8th, and then 15th to 7th. It's just like, it just brings it, is, it on race it? day, doesn't he? And when Jack's on form, like we have seen numerous times this year, he's seriously quick as well. I mean, long lap penalty to... The podium is very, very difficult to achieve in Moto GP. On a Ducati at the Zaxxon ring as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, it's a super exciting lineup. Um, one of the most exciting lineups we've had in a while, I think. So hopefully KTM can find the improvements, which I'm sure they will do. Um, 
And who knows, maybe we can see both riders challenging for wins every year, every race, sorry, um, <laughs> next year. So, yeah, super exciting. And then on Miguel as well, of course, yeah. Obviously, rumours about him going to Grassini were, were rife a couple of weeks ago. Now they've sort of dialed down a bit. Now there's a lot of talk about who's going to Aprilia RNF. Um, so we'll wait and see on that. But, yeah, Miguel Oliveira's whereabouts is a hot topic at the minute, isn't it? It is for sure. And because his obviously talent is pretty hot as well. Um, it Absolutely. seems at the moment he is just struggling a little bit more compared to Brad on Sunday, certainly. Like they're qualifying fairly close together. Um, and then yeah, just not quite able to um stay with the South African in the maybe even the just the last few laps just seems to be able to get that extra bit at the end. But it'd be interesting because Miguel, I mean, even just earlier this year in Indonesia it's just like the greatest clap back hmm. for anyone who's like, <laughs> you know, why weren't you the one on the podium in Qatar? It's like, well, watch this. Uh, it was a yeah. really incredible race. And we've seen some really seriously like goosebumps performances from him as well. That home win at Portimao when he just took off. Uh, and yeah, it's just unreal. great stuff. So, yeah, it'd be exciting to see what happens with Miguel, whether he like is on a different KTM, whether he is... Yeah, there's Aprilia seats. We've got the Grassini kind of rumour that you said, like, peaked a couple of weeks ago. So it will be interesting. But let's go back to the front a little bit. Like we said, Jack, long lap podium, long lap podium, long lap penalty <laughs> to podium. I mean, you can call it that. Uh, that was impressive. <laughs> it, right? It's, it does work. Um, that was impressive <laughs> stuff from him. Obviously, Peko bit of a heartbreaker now got so much work to do to try and claw back that deficit but shall we talk about Fabio again really impressive <laughs> stuff from him at the Zaxxon ring it was it first time since 2009 a Yamaha win a Yamaha win yeah. which means three Pedrosa eight Marquez but still <laughs> <laughs> I mean what more can we say about Fabio he's just operating on a completely different level I think Peko mentioned that he's just not making mistakes we saw Peko obviously crash out of the race um and Fabio just didn't make a single mistake I thought we were watching it together weren't we and when Zarco was sort of 1.2 seconds 1.3 seconds bringing it down a little bit um we were sort of like because he was on the hard rear tire wasn't he obviously conditions were unbelievably hot Sort of thought, okay, well, now's maybe the time we're going to see if Fabio might crumble a little bit under the pressure, but absolutely zero signs of him crumbling at all. He just obviously kept uh, the rear tyre in shape, kept some life in it towards the end, and then just, yeah, won it at a canter. So, yeah, I don't know what more to say about Fabio. He's just <laughs> riding the best he ever He's has. He's on it, he said, isn't he? Yeah, he just he said it himself. He's in the best form of his life. And then, of course, we come to Assen, where he's unbelievable. He finished third, I think, in uh, 2019. Obviously, won here last year. We didn't come here in 2020. So, if it's dry, which it might not be, to be fair, because the forecast is suggesting it could rain a lot this weekend. So, that might be a blessing in disguise for... Well, not even in disguise, just a blessing for his competition. <laughs> um, but if it's dry, I mean... It's difficult to see anyone beating Fabio around Assen, but who knows? All we know is he's going to lead into the summer break, no matter what happens. And he's looking pretty untouchable at the minute, isn't he? 
He is indeed. So, yeah, like you said, the weather is a concern. As we can't predict that, let's go on the uh, on the <laughs> assumish. I'm like, what is the word? Assumption uh, <laughs> that it will be dry. Uh, but obviously, Zarko as well, super impressive at the moment. Mm. Going for it's like five, four, three, two, two, two. He yeah. is the rider with the most podiums without taking that win in MotoGP after Colin Edwards, I think it was. But he's really on form at the moment. Really, really impressive. You voted him in our poll that we had here live on Twitch. Equally uh, unsung hero uh, alongside Brad Binder. I don't know. It would be a big ask, I think, for him to take that win at Assen. Obviously, weather dependent. But doing a great job at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think one of those unsung heroes. The other one we should talk about, I think, briefly before we go. So Maverick Vinales uh was not only keeping up with Alicia Spargo in Germany it seemed but also quite impatient to get past him uh before that rear ride mm-hmm. height device failure it's also an interesting one I think that because obviously it's by far the best we've seen quote unquote best the fastest we've seen from Maverick on the Aprilia so far also at a venue that's not you know one of his traditional places where he really comes out with something extra compared to the rest and it's normally in the latter half of the race where Vinales is the fastest man on track uh, or has been quite a lot in his career that's where he makes a real real difference so the fact we didn't see that uh, I think you put in our little document that we had the last 10 laps were going to be his best laps that's definitely borne out by history so what's coming this weekend at Assen? Well, that, that's what he said himself. He said in his debriefs, the last 10 laps were going to be my best. He was yeah fourth behind Elation, right behind Elation, clearly quicker than him. He was just managing players. Um, I honestly think if it weren't for the ride height issue that I would have been on the podium, um, which is pretty good in, to be fair. But I think his reaction pit lane said it all he wasn't annoyed he wasn't throwing his toys out the pram or anything he just bumped all his mechanics and was just yeah just happy that he was able to first get a good start um and then be able to pick some riders off and obviously catch up to his teammate Aleish um and look on for a podium so yeah unfortunate for Maverick but as you say Saxon not one of his strongest tracks but this weekend at Assen is arguably his strongest track so I'm excited to see what uh, Maverick can do because he's slowly been chipping away. I think a lot of people were quite surprised when Aprilia gave him a two-year contract. Um, I wasn't so surprised myself because I think we've seen in the last month or so that there's definitely progress being made and the potential for Maverick to do what Aleish is doing, I think, next year is very, very high. Um, and yeah, like you say, qualifying now, he's starting to figure it out. Um, as Francesco said, qualifying these days is just unbelievably important. And Ma- when Maverick was obviously qualifying, well, not getting out of Q1 like Brad Binder and Miguel Oliveira are doing, it's just pretty much impossible to get into the top 10 and fight for the podium. But I think this weekend, if it's dry, Maverick is definitely one to watch for sure. And I just want to touch on Aleish before we go as well, because he was obviously very, very disappointed with fourth which shows just how far Aprilia and him have come this year for them to be very disappointed um, with fourth place. I think he said something happened with the front tyre 
And then after six or seven laps, he was just impossible to manage the rear tyre. So it was all about just trying to save a crash. So, yeah, Alex was obviously disappointed to lose more points on Fabio. Um, but this weekend, I'm, I'm hoping it's dry because we all love Assen, don't we? And it's it's one of the best tracks we go to, especially in the dry. Yeah, it's one of those like like Phillip Island where it just yeah. creates a race from the great layout. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, certainly hoping it will be dry. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Aprilia, I mean, the Aprilia's worked everywhere, so I, there's no reason why it wouldn't work here as well. So I'm excited for this weekend. Um, Peko needs to bounce back, doesn't he? He said he said the crash, he didn't know what happened, which is the worst thing as a rider. Um, obviously, he, he, I think he said in his debriefs, he's very self-critical. So when he crashes, he knows where he's gone wrong and he can try and not do that ever again sort of thing. But when you don't know how you've crashed. He said he looked at the data. There's nothing to indicate what happened. He obviously made some sort of mistake, but he doesn't know what, which is an absolute nightmare for a rider. So yeah, he's over 90 points down now on Fabio. Um, and obviously with it being Assen, that could easily become triple figures uh, by the end of the weekend. So yeah, um, a very, very important race for the championship is Assen. Then we've got the summer break and then it's the second half. Well, we're in the second half technically already, but the second half of the calendar year, yeah. let's say. Men- mentally, it doesn't feel like we're in the second half. No. Yet, although, like you say, <laughs> we're officially just past the halfway point with Germany, the 10th race of now 20 after we were sadly obliged to cancel Finland. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, it's going to be a good one. Make sure you tune in and join us this weekend for the Dutch TT. Now on Sunday, of course, um, for the traditionalists. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that's everything from us for now, isn't it? Just some incredible incredible stuff we're seeing on track at the moment a few unsung heroes like we said and plenty to watch out for this weekend so thanks for joining us now let us know what you think if you're listening on audio sorry for the quality of uh, francesco guidotti's audio we tested it and i think there just uh, came a bit of a crackle once we'd already started the show yeah. um so yeah let us know with hashtag motor gp podcast other than that we're aware of it sorry uh <laughs> thanks very much for tuning in and uh yeah we'll be back again after Aston with another guest and uh, a few more thoughts so i think that's that's us done over and out <laughs> i think so yeah Cheers, guys. Thank you.